Tom Copeland is a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ who has been called to teach God's Word on finances since 1982. Tom has advised thousands of people, including individuals, couples, and business owners in making wise biblical financial decisions. Tom is the president of Copeland Financial Ministries who teach what the Bible says on finances. To learn more, check out copelandfinancialministries.org. I'd like to welcome you to session three of the series called Secular Perspective versus Biblical Perspective on Money and Material Things. In the first session in particular, I compared, uh, I did 12 comparisons of a secular perspective of what I identified uh, as a secular person as opposed to a biblical steward. And I, I sort of compared the difference between a secular perspective and a biblical perspective on money and material things. And I also uh, provided appropriate scriptures. I dealt with that in depth in session one, so I'm not going to go back into that for this session number three. But I am going to go through three case studies so you understand the practical application of the biblical principles. So let's do the, uh, the first case study. Lloyd is a Christian and a successful entrepreneur. When he was young, his parents taught him to tithe to the Lord's work regularly. And as a result, he still gives 10% of his very substantial income to the Lord's work. Lloyd's wife is a committed Christian who has been a biblical steward. Lloyd believes his financial success has risen solely because of his hard work and his natural abilities, which he's proud of. From time to time, Lloyd will lie or deceive someone, which he calls a little white lie, and when he, when he feels it's necessary for business reasons. He justifies this on the basis that he's giving a very significant amount of money to his local church. Because Lloyd works long hours, he feels that he deserves to own many things, such as a large house, a cottage, two, no, two new cars, and he replaces, which he replaces every three years. And in order to make up for the limited time that Lloyd spends with his children, he frequently buys them things that they really don't need. Lloyd uses significant death both corporately and personally. However, because of his high income so far, he's been able to make the loan payments. Although Lloyd is already earning a substantial income and has significant assets, Lloyd feels that he will be content and happy once his company is nationwide and generates even more income. So here's the first question. And by the way, um, for those watching the program, the names that I choose for these case studies are selected at random. So if your name's Lloyd, we're not talking about you. All the case study names are selected at random. So here's the first question. In what ways has Lloyd acted like a secular person? And in other words, which ways is he demonstrating a secular perspective with respect to money and material things? Provide a reference to scripture. So think about that for a minute. And if you actually went back to session number one and reviewed the uh, comparison of a secular person versus a biblical steward, then uh, you'd be able to find some of those, uh, those scriptures. But think about that. And here's my suggested solutions. Lloyd takes personal credit for his business success rather than thanking God for his blessings. In Deuteronomy chapter 8 it says, You may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, but remember the Lord your God, for it is God who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Number two, Lloyd lies and deceives others in his business dealings, and clearly this is not God's will. God uh, hates uh, dishonest scales, as it talks about in Leviticus 19. Number three, Lloyd's personal life is out of balance as he works too much and he spends too little um, time with his children. Proverbs 23, 4 says, Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have wisdom to show restraint. Point number four, Lloyd has a problem with pride. In James 4, chapter 4, verse 6, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. In addition, Lloyd is discontent with his current level of income, even though it's more than sufficient. And um, John the Baptist in Luke chapter 3 talked about being content with your pay, and Lloyd is not content. Number six, Lloyd uses significant debt which God warns against. In Proverbs 22.7, the Bible says that the borrower 
is servant to lender and he uses debt quite freely and there's lots of scriptures that warn about the dangers of debt and that's not consistent with God's word what Lloyd is doing. Lloyd likely has a problem with the love of money. Remember in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul said for the love of money, he didn't say money was the root of all evil. He said the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. I think in many ways, uh, 1 Timothy 6, 9, and 10 describe Lloyd fairly accurately. And Lloyd's treasures are on earth rather than heaven. Remember in Matthew chapter 6 where Christ told us to build up treasures in heaven and not treasures on earth? And clearly Lloyd is focused on building more and more material things, building up treasures on earth. So question, is there any way in which Lloyd has acted like a biblical steward? Think about that for a minute. That one's pretty obvious. I think that's pretty easy. He gives 10% to the Lord's work. That is, does represent biblical stewardship. 10%, the tithe, is the guideline in Scripture. It's not a legalism. We're no longer under Mosaic law. We're under grace, but it is a, still an appropriate guideline. But given his substantial income, if he had close personal relationship with Christ, uh, and if he was putting God first rather than his selfish desires, I believe he'd be giving a lot more than 10%. And Jesus even talked about it in, in Luke chapter 12, verse 48, where Christ said, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded, and from the one who has been entrusted with much, even much more will be asked. And in other words, people with significantly, with above average income, a significantly above average income, they shouldn't be constrained by the tithe. They should be giving a lot more than that um, because they, they have the surplus. And uh, Lloyd's not doing that. From a spiritual perspective, what are Lloyd's major problems? Uh, what, are, what are his major problems from a spiritual per perspective? And uh, provide a reference to scripture if you can. I have, uh, I have six of them. I think the first and most obvious one is pride. First Peter 5, 5 says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Clearly, he's very proud of what he's accomplished and probably has a, an ego issue and wants to build it even bigger to, to pump up his ego. He clearly has a lack of contentment. In 1 Timothy 6, Paul said, Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world. We shall take nothing out of it, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. He also has an issue with deceitfulness. And, and Proverbs 12.22 said, The Lord detests lying lips. He, he lies when he feels it could be justified in order to earn more business income, and he justifies this based on the fact he gives 10% to his church. That doesn't justify it at all. He's still lying, and uh, God detests lying lips, and it's also a bad testimony to the people he's doing business with. I think Lloyd has an issue with the love of money, as I talked about earlier. Uh, also, um, Lloyd has failed to acknowledge God's ownership of his money. In Haggai 2.8, uh, it says, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. And Lloyd has uh, failed to acknowledge that the business is God's. Everything that we have, uh, God's entrusted to us, including his business. And um, I think of 1 Corinthians 4.2 where it says, It is required that those who have been given us trust must, must prove faithful. Faithfulness to God is the key. And Lloyd is not de determining what God's word says on finances with respect to business or personal finances. And so he's not following them. Um, he's not taking the time to do that. And he's not doing that. So he clearly has a secular perspective with respect to money and material things. So here's a question. What impact will Lloyd's management of money likely have on his children? And I'd say indirectly his children's children, particularly when they become adults and they will have to make their own financial decisions. Now keep in mind in the case study, as I indicated earlier, that Lloyd's wife has been a biblical steward in managing money, but Lloyd isn't. Lloyd is acting like a secular person. So what, uh, what kind of impact, impact is Lloyd's management of money uh, going to have on the kids and, and his wife as well. 
I think of uh, Proverbs 22, 6, where it says, Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. I think as a minimum, Lloyd's children will likely be confused, not sure which example to follow, dad or mom. Unfortunately, there's a risk that one or more of the children could follow Lloyd's example and make secular decisions with respect to money and material things. Nevertheless, the mother's biblical example should be an encouragement to their children to manage money God's way, particularly if the mother takes the time to teach her kids how to manage money from a biblical perspective. So we know that generally Lloyd manages money and his business with a secular perspective. While Lloyd's wife manages money from a biblical perspective, what do you think would be the impact of their different approaches to managing money have on their marriage relationship? What do you think that would be? Think about that for a minute. And uh, it's going to be significant. I can tell you that from experience. I've seen thousands of cases since 1982, since I've been teaching God's Word on finances. And uh, I'd say this, uh, Lloyd's secular management of money and his business will likely cause significant stress in the marriage relationship between him and his wife. And um, this couple could easily grow apart. Lloyd's wife is probably very uncomfortable uh, with the level of corporate debt and the personal debt. He has a lot of debt corporately and personally. And if the company incurred losses, let's say there was a bad recession or whatever, and it couldn't pay its debts, the stress could easily uh, destroy the marriage relationship between Lloyd and his wife. And if it goes on for a long time, it could result in separation and divorce. I've seen that many times. I think of one businessman many years ago. He had a company that was worth a lot of money. And he wanted to grow it and make it even, even larger. And he was planning to grow it four or five times larger over the next um, 10 years. And you know what? He succeeded in growing it four or five times larger. But in the process, he lost his marriage. So here's the next question. What advice would you give to Lloyd's wife in dealing with Lloyd's secular management of money? Provide a reference to scripture for each point. So what advice would you give to her? And do it step by step. What would you suggest you do first, second, third, fourth, etc.? Uh, think about that because this is a tough situation. And let's suppose you're now in a situation where the economy is entering a recession and the company's starting to lose money. And uh, suppose that, uh, like most cases, um, uh, Lloyd has given his personal guarantee and probably pledged the house against the corporate debt. So if things keep going the way they are and, and the company keeps losing money, let's suppose, they could very well lose their house. And I find when you lose a house, that generally does destroy the, uh, the marriage relationship. So here's some things I would suggest that Lloyd's wife do. Number one, pray and ask God for his wisdom, James 1.5, in his specific direction, because there's no simple answer here. Number two, pray and ask God to change Lloyd's heart with respect to managing money. In Proverbs 21.1, it says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He directs it like a watercourse wherever he pleases. God can change the heart of Lloyd. And given that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, Hebrews 4.12 Lloyd's wife should diplomatically present God's word in the area of finances to Lloyd at the appropriate times. I would suggest something that warns about the dangers of debt, such as Proverbs 22.7. Also, Deuteronomy chapter 28 would be another good one. Uh, number four, when God opens the door, Lloyd's, Lloyd's wife should diplomatically explain to Lloyd the financial problems that his secular management of money has caused and how it has negatively impacted their relationship. Next, uh, again, if Lloyd still isn't responding, I, I think Lloyd's wife should provide Lloyd with a CD or a DVD or a book, whichever he's likely to use, that teaches God words, God's Word on finances. Probably part of the problem is Lloyd doesn't know what the Bible says on finances for both business and, and uh, personal finances. Next, Lloyd and his wife should attend a, a small group biblical financial study. That would be really good for them. Uh, I'd also suggest the next item is that they obtain counsel from a godly financial advisor who understands God's word on finances. 
And if it still doesn't work and Lloyd still isn't responding, I think Lloyd's wife needs to discern from God the spiritual battle, Ephesians chapter 6, and fight the battle appropriately, which is generally prayer and the revelation of God's truth. Jesus said to his disciples, you, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's highly probable that Lloyd has believed many lies from the world and Satan. And in session 11 of my book, Financial Management God's Way, there's, there's a whole chapter on financial deception. And next, uh, if still nothing's happening with Lloyd, have some trusted friends confidentially pray for Lloyd, his wife, and their children. And if Lloyd still refuses to deal with his secular management of money in the relationship, and the relationship continues to deteriorate, uh, I think the wife should consider approaching a leader at their church who understands God's word on finances, that's really important, requesting prayer, requesting counsel, and asking a church leader to speak to Lloyd directly. This is consistent with Matthew chapter 18. Um, and and uh, now, to, to give Lloyd one last chance, uh, I think his wife should warn Lloyd that she's planning to go to a leader of the church, unless he's learning to uh, learn to manage money God's way. It's better to do these kinds of things than wait until, let's say, something goes wrong and they lose their home, because often when they lose the home, the marriage breaks up. We're trying to avoid all of that. Um, certainly someone that's using debt aggressively, corporately and personally. I know from experience, in due course, they'll encounter some tough times, some difficult times, and they're likely going to lose a lot of money very quickly, and that's when also they could not only lose the business, but also the family home. Now the next case study is a typical middle-income couple. Here's the case study. And again, the names are selected at random. Bernard and Judy are married. They are both Christians. Bernard works full-time and Judy works part-time. They are a middle-income family. Bernard and Judy purchased their home over 20 years ago before house prices increased substantially. Over the years, they've spent more than they've earned, and on three occasions, they obtained or increased their personal line of credit on their home in order to pay off their credit cards. Currently, the mortgage on their home plus the personal line of credit is greater than what they originally paid for the house. And by the way, I've seen this kind of situation many times. And with this couple, they've never had any significant renovations on the home, so it's not a case that they renovated the home substantially or added an addition. Uh, rather, they've just been spending more than they've been making. Bernard and Judy have no savings for their children's education and almost nothing for retirement. They have never developed and implemented a budget. They don't understand why their debts keep growing and they are concerned because their credit cards and their personal line of credit are almost to the maximum again. At the suggestion of a financial advisor, they reviewed their expenses over the past several years and they realized that they had spent a considerable amount of money on wants and desires as opposed to needs. Except for tithing, Bernard and Judy have little knowledge of what God's Word says on finances. They used to give 10% to the Lord's work. However, as their debts increased over the years, their giving has gradually decreased, and they currently give about 1% of their income to God's work. So here's the first question. Based on the information provided, what areas do you suspect Bernard and Judy have acted like a secular person? In other words, in what areas do they have a secular perspective on money and material things and provide a reference to scripture for each point. So think about that. Here's some suggested uh, solutions and I don't profess this to be all-encompassing but certainly here are some. Bernard and Judy are not content with God's provision and this is evidenced by the fact that they've been spending more than they've earned and accumulating debt. Um, 1 Timothy 6, Paul said, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Lots of scripture admonish us to be content. Luke uh, 3.14, John the Baptist told some soldiers, be content with your pay. Secondly, they've not acknowledged God's ownership of their money by learning God's way of managing money. Uh, they're not recognizing that, hey, the money and material things they have is from God, so they're not going to God and His Word. 
for uh, his wisdom and his, his direction. And um, God owns everything. Uh, he's, he created it all in Genesis chapter 1. He owns it all. And um, as Haggai 2.8 says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. Three, they're giving very little to God's work and God's getting the leftovers. In Proverbs 3, 9 and 6, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. They're not doing that. What they're doing is what a lot of people do. They're buying what they want, often using credit. They're running up the debts. And as the debts go up, their, their cash flow gets tighter at the personal level. And generally speaking, the giving goes down because... Uh, if you run up a lot of debt and you have limited funds, you're going to pay your mortgage first, even though it may be bigger than it should, your car loans, your personal line of credit, your credit cards, and God ends up getting uh, the leftovers. And so that's the main reason. The accumulation of debt is the main reason why this couple is, um, is not, um, not giving to God's work like they used to. In addition, they haven't followed a budget. In Luke chapter 14, Christ admonished us to plan ahead. And the most practical way to plan ahead is to develop and implement a budget. Bernard and Judy have not put God first and trusted God to meet their needs. In Matthew 6, 31 to 33, Christ said, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. And those things are what we shall eat, uh, drink, and wear. And uh, those are needs. So Christ promised to meet our needs, but not necessarily our wants and desires. In addition, um, they have been following the world's example of managing money by spending more than they're earning and accumulating debt. They need God's wisdom and God's specific direction. James 1.5 says we should ask for God's wisdom. Psalms 25.12 says, Who then is the man or woman who fears the Lord? God will instruct them in the way chosen for them. Number seven, they don't understand that they're accountable to God as to how they manage money. Romans 14.12 says, So then each of us will give account of ourselves to God. With respect to debt restructuring, like most people, they've been foolish. Uh, they've done it three times already. They've run up the credit cards and the line of credit already. And you think after the first time they start to realize and think that, hey, there's something wrong here. How did we get in a situation where our credit cards were run to the max? And uh, so many people, they get the line of credit against the equity in the home, especially in cities where real estate's gone up a lot, and that's the case for this couple. And as the equity in the home goes up and the value goes up, that often allows people to live a lifestyle that's greater than what they can afford. And so they did the debt restructuring three times. And uh, Proverbs 22.3, I'm not trying to be mean, but this is pretty clear. A prudent man sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. In other words, they were simple. They just kept doing the same thing over and over again, and now they're in, a, in quite a, a financial bind. So what biblically-based financial advice would you give to Bernard and Judy? What would you, um, advice would you give them? And provide a reference to Scripture for each point. Here's some of the points that I had. I think first they need to learn God's word on finances. We know that uh, from 1 Timothy chapter 3, that all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man or woman of God may be fully equipped for every good work. So they need to get and learn God's word on finances. One of the problems is they've been violating biblical principles, probably unknowingly, but also unfortunately they have a very secular perspective or secular mindset with respect to money and material things. They've been impacted more by the world than they have by God's Word. Secondly, they need to learn to be content and live within the income that God has provided. Remember in chapter 4 of Philippians, Paul talked about learning to be content, and he did that. Uh, at the end of Philippians 4.13, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul's talking about contentment. You need to learn to be content depending on the Lord Jesus Christ and focusing on Him 
and things of eternal value. And as you focus on things of eternal value rather than temporal things, uh, generally speaking, that helps you to learn contentment because you're focused on, on uh, you're not focused on the money and material things anymore. You're focused on things of eternal value, like the salvation of people, ministry, um, doing God's work, that kind of stuff. They need to meditate upon God's word in order to uh, change the way they think. Romans 12:2 says, "Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind." How do you renew your mind? Joshua 1:8 gives the answer. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so you may be careful to do everything written in it. They needed to get into God's Word. I'd say go back to session one. Look at the areas that they struggle with and meditate on those specific scriptures that deal with the areas they, just, they struggle with. They need to develop and implement a budget to ensure they're spending less than they earn so they have a surplus each month to pay down debt and save for future needs. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Planning is biblical, and as they plan, they need to pray and discern God's will, but part of planning from a practical perspective is developing and implementing a budget. They need to save for future needs, such as their kids' education and retirement. Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Scripture is clear that we need to save for future needs, and they're not doing that. They're just actually what they've been doing the last 20 years is just accumulating debt and living beyond their means. And remember, they, they have a middle an average income, so they, they, they have enough income to pay their bills if they managed it uh, well, but they're not doing that. They're not managing uh, according to biblical principles. They need to distinguish between wants and desires as opposed to needs. God promised to meet our, our needs, but not necessarily our wants and desires, as Christ talked about in Matthew chapter 6. They need to acknowledge God's ownership of everything that the Lord has entrusted to them. Uh, we're, all, um, we're all just entrusted with, with a certain amount of wealth. So if this couple learns God's way of managing money, implements the biblical financial principles, learns to be content, develops a biblical steward or a biblical perspective on money and material things. I've seen hundreds, actually a few thousand cases uh, since 1982 where people have been able to get out of debt. Typically it takes you know a, a year or two to get rid of the credit cards and then another year or two to the line of credit and then, then the car loans and and I've seen lots of couples when they've been totally debt-free within, say, 10 years, 12 years, when they were in a pile of debt before and maybe in some cases on the verge of bankruptcy. One thing I find is as God's people learn and start to apply God's Word on finances, there's usually these little miracles where God provides uh, unexpected income or a great deal on a purchase so the Lord maybe directs them not to buy something and teaches them to be content with less or whatever. Or God shows them another alternative. God can do... I call them little miracles because often they, they are little miracles where God's hand starts to move. But generally that only happens after an individual or couple have learned and started to apply biblical financial principles. I'd like to now deal with the next case study. It's, it's a good example of biblical stewardship. Again, the names are chosen at random. Shortly after Fraser came to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, he studied and meditated upon what the Bible says on finances. Fraser learned and then acknowledged that God owns everything and that he was just a steward of the money that God had entrusted to him. Fraser determined with God's wisdom and direction to apply biblical financial principles in managing money. He developed and implemented a budget to ensure that he was spending less than he was earning so he could pay off his debts and save for future needs. Prior to becoming a Christian, Fraser had accumulated considerable debt. But nevertheless, in faith, shortly after he became a Christian, he started giving 10% of his income to the local church. Much to his surprise, God blessed him financially and enabled him to pay off all of his debts within three years and give even more to, than 10% to God's work. 
He purposely learned to be content with a lifestyle that was considerably less than his income so he could save a down payment for a home. When he bought his first home, he had a down payment of 40% and he paid off the mortgage within 10 years. Fraser married a woman who had learned and applied biblical financial principles in managing money. So here's the question. In what ways has Fraser acted like a biblical steward? This is a good example of now, he happens to be single. It could be a couple I could be talking about here. There's nothing that makes a single person more spiritually mature than a couple. I'm not suggesting that or more in tune with God's word on finances. This is just the, the example I gave. Um, so in what ways has Fraser, in this case, acted like a biblical steward? In what ways has he demonstrated a biblical perspective on managing money? Here's some uh, suggested solutions. Fraser acknowledged in his heart and mind that God owns everything and he was just a steward of God's resources. That is really important. Psalms 24, 1 and 2 says, the, Lord, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. God created everything. We're just managing the money and material things that he's entrusted to us while we're here on earth. A split second after you die, you'll realize you didn't own those, that money. You didn't own those assets. You were just managing it while you're here. And remember, our time here on earth is very short compared to eternity. So that's, I think, almost the first step for a Christian in really learning and managing money God's way is they have to acknowledge that what they have is from the Lord and that they're, they're a steward of, of what God's entrusted to them. Secondly, Fraser learned to be content with a lifestyle that was less than his income. That's really important. Contentment. Contentment's a godly perspective. Uh, um, it's, it's a biblical perspective on money and material things. And it's so key. I mean, contentment is an antidote to so many of the, the, um, the secular perspective on money and material things, such as uh, greed and selfishness and pride and envy and covetousness. Contentment is really key. And we need to learn to be content. Remember, Paul learned to be content. He talked about it in chapter 4 of Philippians. And it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. As you, as you get into God's Word, and get closer to the Lord, draw on your relationship with the Lord, God will help you, enable you to learn to be content. Thirdly, Fraser developed and implemented a budget to ensure he had a surplus to pay down debt and save for future needs. This is biblical. Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Fourth, Fraser gave generously to God's work, expecting nothing in return, uh, and God blessed him. The key is to give and expect, as Jesus talked about in Luke 6.38, Given it shall be given unto you. And then later on he talks about an expecting nothing in return. Uh, give from out of your love for the Lord and in thanking the Lord for what he's done for you. Number five, Fraser made debt uh, reduction a priority. Proverbs 22.7 warns of the dangers of debt. Number six, he purposely married a woman who understood and applied God's word on finances. Certainly over the years I've seen lots of cases where if one spouse manages money God's way and the other one doesn't, that can create all kinds of problems. Now it's even worse if both, both husband and wife manage money the world's way. If they both have a secular perspective on money, then they can get even into even bigger trouble. And the last point I'd like to make is Fraser studied and meditated upon God's Word to change the way he thinks about money. Getting into God's Word is critical in order to uh, learn God's way of managing money. To learn more, check out copelandfinancialministries.org or follow us on Facebook. Instagram, or Twitter under Bible Finance. To learn more, check out copelandfinancialministries.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter under Bible Finance.
To learn more, check out copelandfinancialministries.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter under Bible Finance.